0: Good morning, Chair City Church. Good to see you. <laughs> For an exciting morning. <sighs> we are in week three of our current series, Wisdom That Works. We're doing this series to help you live a better, effective, productive, enjoyable life through the summer. You know, you know, so that when September comes, you're not really living from deficiency. Like, wow, what did I do? Too much of this, not enough of that. And then we kind of crawl to the holidays. We're doing this so you can make better decisions for the rest of your life, huh? The series is based on a list of sayings in the book of Proverbs, which is found in the Old Testament part of the Bible. The theme, as we've been saying, of the book of Proverbs is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom, though it cost you all you have, get understanding meaning get wisdom, whatever it costs you, whatever you got to do. Why? Because as you know, you've heard before, the sum of your life are the decisions and the choices you make. And the greater wisdom you have, the better decisions you're going to make. Now, this has got nothing to do with education. This has nothing to do with your family lineage. This has nothing to do with your socioeconomic status whether you make this much or that much, this is a matter of desiring to gain wisdom and knowing that that wisdom is found in God, that God has the answers. The God who created you, made you, is with you here today. It's what we told each and every one in that tank, that God is looking down and saying, I am well pleased with you, I love you, I'm here with you. Believing that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he's going to do. This is wisdom. Now today I'm going to kind of, we're going to hit on Proverbs chapter 21 verse 3. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, then one rests content, untouched by trouble. I want to talk to you today about contentment. Because again, I think it kind of, we kind of, it's kind of heightened through these kind of, June, July, coming from May into graduation, and then June, July, August, and this summer, this heightened issue of contentment, or should I say a lack of contentment. And when I say contentment, you might be thinking happiness. Some of you might be thinking complacency. It's neither. You see, this verse gives us a description of what contentment is. It calls us to fear God. What does that mean? We, we talked about it last week. Just We come before God in a place of humility, you know? A willingness now to consider God and therefore now we're going to be considering others, but we're coming before God now wanting to just humble ourselves and and, and to honor God and lift God up in our lives. When I, to trust God, when I make decisions in my life and those decisions are when I'm in the midst of a situation where I know, okay, if I do what I intuitively, let alone definitively, cognitively know what God wants me to do here, I'm going to suffer a consequence. There's going to be I, I'm almost certain that there's going to be a consequence here. A sacrifice. Maybe a suffering. Certain, okay, not certain, but a good likelihood, right? And yet then I look at another option. And that one, seemingly, (coughs) there's no sacrifice. There's no suffering. Uh, There's no problem. And this one here becomes incredibly more attractive, doesn't it? Hmm. Self-preservation right here. It's my flesh. It's my nature. Okay. When I do choose wisdom and to trust in God, and it comes from the fear of God First of all, the moment I make that, I begin to come to a place of contentment. I want you to know that. But what's fueling me in doing that is not that I fear God is going to step on me like I'm a cockroach. But what I fear is this. I'm taking control here. That this is what God, this is God's way. This is God's path. And right here, I'm taking control. Which means from here now, everything going forward is going to be on that trajectory. Every, all this, all that's going forward now is going to be Dave's path. Dave's taking. go, I'm going to miss out on all that God had for me. So when it came to my decision to not complete that class, <coughs> and the, the challenge was, man, I've put in like, I don't know, 80, 100 hours into this class. easy. I've got 2000 bucks that I paid for this class, and I'm going to pay for this class all the time, lost. But then, and over here, it's like, you know, trusting God. You're not going to be able to do this with integrity. You might even going to have to turn around and fudge what you actually did. You're going to be stressing yourself and, and, and taking from your family too much right now. You're not going to be able to be there right now at this time in your church in this week. You yourself, if something's not well, all this is God speaking into my life. But over here, it's like, but I, I mean, I drove all those hours back and forth driving an hour and a half each way to campus, sitting for three hours each class from 6 o'clock at night to 9 o'clock at night, getting home at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, counting the hours, and I'm done. Just, just all I got to do is open up the envelope. and <laughs> It wouldn't have took too much. And as we begin to think that way, you know, what happens is... What we focus on becomes bigger. And our $2,000 becomes bigger. And all those hours become bigger. But if I pause and I fear God, I fear leaving him. All of a sudden, if I pause and begin to fear that way and humble myself, I'm like, wait a minute. God, all that he's done in my life, all that he is, $2,000? What's $2,000? It's nothing. Literally, like, I mean, come on. Same God who threw, a, who, who threw a, 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 a school teacher that didn't have much dropped $50,000 on us? Same God who when I was speaking one day and Christy was deciding she was about to give birth, she had to leave work, and we were five grand short, a guy walks up to us after I speak, gives me a hug, shakes my hand, and gives me a check for $5,000? And each one of those, I could tie to decisions where I had to sacrifice, suffer, thought I had to. We usually suffer and sacrifice so much less than we do, but we think we do, by the way. So I fear departing from wisdom, departing from God's power and resources and taking things on my own and going my own way. Does that make sense to you? So, and then it says, it's calling us to fear and then the scripture says that when we fear God, we possess contentment. You know what happens to me every time I make one of those decisions? I mean, just so you know, it's not really, what's the word, how could I say this, babe? Um, The process for me, it's not an admirable process when I go through it. I am a whining, I mean, (laughs) be kind. (coughs) I'm stressed, I struggle. I whine, I complain, I'm I'm all over the place, man. It really is, when I'm going through it, it's a a tough thing to see, all right? But once, the moment, I, I mean, like within seconds of making that decision and knowing that I've resolved to make it, bam, I'm good, man. It's outstanding, meaning I possess contentment, right? That's what's happening, I am now content. And then the Bible says what? The verse says, and then you're untouched by trouble. All the worry, all the perceived problems and loss and all that that was ravaging me, I can't sleep, it's on me all the time, it's causing me stress, and a little anxious, I'm a little abrupt. I'm it's gone, man. All that trouble or suffering, it's, it's, it's really, it's not touching me, huh? So contentment is a promise. What I just in a lengthy way described what I go through, what I went through, contentment is a promise of God for each and every one of you. And you'll see there was really nothing that in, in my decision-making process that really leans on being extremely educated or wealthy or, or anything along those lines, you know, or, or, or being something of this like, wow, man of God. No, no. It's just believing that God, who he says he is, is going to do what he's going to do. It's just believing of, of who God is. And, and focusing on that and believing in that versus looking at it through my narrow lens and my tainted and corrupted lens at my smaller problems or situations or issues. So listen. Now, if you've been around someone who's content, likely they've made a pretty good impact on your life. It's nice to be around content people, right? My wife is a very content person, huh? She is. You hear me say often, I just got, you hear me use the expression, um, you know, like water off a, you know, a duck or a duck's back. You know, you hear me say that, way. Well, that's Christy, you know? Like things just don't stick to her, man, you know? Sometimes I tell her, you're just, you're just not normal, you know? Content people rarely have bad days. Okay, and I did this a few weeks ago, so I don't want to revisit this because it wasn't a great moment for me here. But have anybody in here known me to have a bad day? Oh, come on, just, just, just be honest here, okay. Look, we has been here two weeks. She raises her hand. That's great. <laughs> You're lucky you didn't do that before I baptized you. <coughs> yeah, man. Have, has anybody known Christy to have a bad day? She just doesn't. She's content, huh? Look, content people live in the present. They do. They're not like worrying about what they didn't do. They're not having an argument with somebody they had an argument with, but now they're rehashing the argument and they're saying what they should have said. Yeah, I do that. You do that. They're not thinking about what has to happen days, weeks. They're not projecting into the future and coming out with fear, worry, anxiety, lack, anxieties. They're not. They live content in the present. Doesn't mean they're not ambitious. This isn't about passivity. This is about being content with where you are. Now, look, it's not easy to live this way in our culture. It really isn't. Never in the history of our country have we had more and enjoyed it so much less uh, it, it's it's perplexing it seems that we're never happy where we are right we're happy where we are not huh pause th- just notice how you're thinking and and be honest what i just said does it apply you're not happy where you are you're happy where you want to be, or think you should be. People dream about having a family and children and being married, right? And then they dream about the kids growing up <laughs> and leaving the home, right? Okay, I should explain. <laughs> no, I love my children, but I, I, this whole, I, we went to a men's conference, and I, gotta, I don't want to get, so yeah, that whole was about, uh, we went to a men's conference this week, it was phenomenal time, and, and I kind of was in a room with me, my two boys, and I think three of their teenage friends. It was me and five teenagers. Man, my room smelled like a combination of a zoo, a sewage treatment plant, and, and, and just God only knows what else. It was brutal. I'm thinking I, it was, it was so, let alone, they woke me up at two o'clock in the morning. There were some other things that I don't think appropriate to speak of from up here, but I tell you. So, uh, but no, I mean, and, you know, so then you're praying that the kids will grow up and you're hoping for that. And then the kids grow up and you're thinking, man, what it would be to hear the, you know, the pity patter of feet running down the hallways, right? Listen, to be woken up in the morning, why are we not happy with what we have, with where we are, with who we're living our lives with? What's creating so much of this really discontentment? The enemy of contentment is comparison. It is, it's comparison. You don't realize that's what got you there, but what gets you in a lot of this way you're thinking is comparison. It's hard to escape. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. I don't think we realize how much we live in this mode of comparison. Here's the problem with comparison. It gives you the wrong perspective of life. And perspective is your reality, yeah? Comparison convinces us that what we have isn't good enough, right? And this has always existed through the ages, but again, now... Because of social media, one of the disadvantages or, or problems with social media is that it is really increasing our ability to compare ourselves to others and what they have and where they are to us, right? I mean, what maybe would, could take you months to find out, you find out in seconds about somebody. There are some things you find out about people you just shouldn't find out about them, right? You know, and, 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 you know, you, some of you are on you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever the heck some of this stuff. is. Pinterest, right? Some of you jump on it from time to time every day. Some of you, it's like intravenous, man. You just live on it. I know, I can see when people are, whoa, whoa. look, now you're going to go through these summer months and there's a lot going on in the summer. And, 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 and since so many people live in this comparison mode, they're, they're out there, you know. Literally, I, 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 I'm a people watcher, and I see people do certain things just to be able to get that picture to put on Facebook. I tell Christy, I'm like, look, look what they're doing. I'm telling you, you know, and I'm like, watch, watch what they do afterwards. I'm like, man, it's so, it can be so disingenuous, you know, I, and a lot of people get married, you know, in the spring and summer months. And I imagine most people are good and happy when they get married, but, but they may not be that good. You know what I'm saying? You like, you're like, and, and, and these loving photos. Like, I'm a minister. I've been in the midst of all of this. So if you, I know, I'm not going to do it. You should hear some of the things people say to each other before and after those pictures, man, you know? Or their attitudes are where they are. It's not that, man. I'm just going to tell you. But that said, that you know, we, we see all this, and we're going to be seeing this, And we go to this, and it just heightens our comparison, right? Years ago, in order to see that picture, you'd have to go into their home, open up their wedding album. Now it's boom! We don't want to mock them, but, you know, we don't want to compare their lives to our lives, right? And all of a sudden, before you know it, their life looks better than your life, right? You can be eating a burger or a cinnamon roll. (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're looking, someone's doing this great workout, and they're looking so great. And like, you know, just like, come on, stop it, you know? Just trying to eat my cinnamon roll in peace, right? <laughs> but often what's coming out of this is where I'm not good enough, right? I don't have enough. And we might not say those words to ourselves, we might not be articulating it, though that's what's simmering. That's the environment. In our brain, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough. That's what comparison does. It gives you the wrong perspective on life, right? Another harmful way of thinking, which is caused by comparison, is it brings you to the wrong presumption. Yeah, once we begin to compare that we're not good enough, that we don't have enough, the presumption is, I don't have what I need to be happy. To be glad, I don't have what I need to, sustain, to to keep things going. We have these presumptions. We 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 automatically. We're in like autopilot. We're making these presumptions, and of course, every commercial, literally, honestly, almost every commercial, every ad supports that, right? I mean, that's what advertisements are about nowadays. If you know, if you had this, this would be life would be so much better, right? Or, 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 you know, if you, you know, or, or depicting someone who doesn't have this, look at their lot in life, but if they had that, it would just make everything so much better. Really, that's, that's the drive of most advertisement, right? Meaning, the message is your happiness is one step away. Join the gym, take the pill, click the button, view the images, smoke the joint, knock down the beer, all this, whatever it is. The images it's going to be better for you. Believe this, huh? Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and be famous. Do everything they've ever dreamed of doing and they would realize it's not the answer. Now, some of you are like, well, I wouldn't mind trying that out and finding out it's not the answer. (laughs) Listen, comparison causes a vicious cycle in your life. Some of you are living in this cycle. And this cycle has got you living for the wrong person. You're living for th- you're living to trying to be as good as this person. You're living to match that person. You're you're you're, you're or you want to be that person, right? But you're not living for God. You're not living for Jesus. You're not living for the life that He has for you. You're not living in the present, huh? You're not dwelling in the presence of the one true God. You don't have contentment. And contentment is a powerful thing because it deflects trouble. Trouble doesn't, you have trouble, you have problems, but it doesn't touch you. It doesn't pierce your heart. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't crush your attitude. How do you get to contentment? How do you get there? The Apostle Paul, some of you might know him as St. Paul, he writes these words in Philippians. Philippians is a phenomenal book. Please know that when he writes these words and all the words in the book of Philippians, he's, in, he's under house arrest, but it's not like house arrest today, meaning he's in kind of a dungy kind of a home and he's chained to a Roman soldier. And he writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all things through him, Christ Jesus, who gives me strength. Hmm? Now, this is a popular verse. And we often see it applied in athletics. And it's cool, you know, meaning I, I, I can win, I can have victory, I'm gonna do great things. What I'm telling you is the greatest victory is to have contentment. This verse is about contentment. It's certainly reasonable, you can apply to other areas about overcoming and pressing on and winning. But at its, the meaning, the heart of this verse, the meat of this verse is contentment. Is that whether you win the race or not, you're good, baby, huh? Whether people are cheering for you or not, you're content, huh? This is about contempt. And and Paul says that I know I can do all things. I can stop and not go through and take this exam in a half-hearted, inappropriate, questionable way. I can lose the money. I can do all this. I'm good because Jesus is with me, yes? I can endure this perceived suffering. I can take this consequence. I can handle this. I can do this. I can do all things because Jesus is in me, working through me. I'm content. I'm living in the now. I'm living in the present. And that present tells me that God is with me. Now, I want to just look at Paul. When you look at this phenomenal guy's life, Paul, and we're talking about contentment, we can look, glean a few insights. First is this realize what you have so how do you start to build this contentment begin to realize what you have right i mean i'm at this warrior conference <coughs> and i got to tell you it's grinding on me man you know i mean i'm not sleeping well i miss my wife i just miss when the days over just talking to christy praying you know complaining to her <laughs> or just sharing my thoughts with her She's phenomenal. She hugs me. She rolls my back. She talks life into me. I, oh, man, I, I missed it big time, you know? And, and really, our marriage has never been better than it is now. And it's Christian. I, I got five teens. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work as good. You know, I miss my bed. I miss my pillows. I'm, I'm, real, I'm going there, man. These pillows stuck and then like I said man by the, by the hour my building, my room is just getting worse and worse they, I try and go to sleep at like midnight they come in at 2 in the morning they wake me up I was going to tell you man they, they go and pee on the toilet bowl seat and I get up at 4 in the morning I go to sit down and the next thing you know, I'm taking a shower and I am angry man <laughs> I just about was going up halfway up to just tear them apart I'm like okay Dave they're in a spiritual place here to retreat you are not being ra- you're going to kill them <laughs> I did get him the next morning, and I told him, this happens again, I am going to wake you all up, man. <laughs> so, and, and I'm just, you know, and then, you know, I got to speak, I know they've asked me to speak, and it's a lot, like, you know, almost 1,100 people, and I got to get up and speak for a bit. Not a lot, but still, you know, jack, 1,100 people, and I got to do something specific, and all this is wearing on me, and, and I'm just missing it, man, come on, you know. I'm not realizing what I have. The privilege of one just being there, right? White Mountains, fantastic place, nice resort, gorgeous, beautiful day. Just to be there as a human being and, and the environment to know God and draw closer to Him, to worship the way we were worshiping was just. And then to be there as, as someone who can look around and see the lives that God has changed and to know people's stories and to have such a, a front row seat and all that, what a privilege. Whoa. And instead I'm thinking about how many pairs of underwears can a kid wear in one stinking day? (laughs) Toilet posies? Pillows? Are these people going to like what I'm going to say? I mean, 1,100 people, man, I got to get them going, you know. And I just, and I'm like, man, Dave, what are you doing? I told Christy, man, I'm just, I'm just, I got to settle in. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not there. I wasn't realizing. But once I began to realize what I had and what was going on and being present, man, I just, it just flipped me over and it just began to bring me to a better and a better and a better place. And I really began to become more charged and energized and feeling better, right? Listen, life is difficult. We could all have a pity party right now. I'm, I'm, I'm a professional pity party guy. I can teach you. <laughs> we have a lot of challenges in life. But let's not live this way, right? Look, we live, this is, this is still the greatest country in the world. I really believe that. We live in the greatest country in the world, huh? Right, it is, it is, it is. <clears throat> I believe with all my heart and every week, and I, this is a great church. We are part of a tremendous church, a tremendous community. You're part of Chair City Church, right? People who don't even go here are telling people to go here. You got free coffee this morning. Come on, you know. <laughs> the God of the universe created us to live at this exact time, in this moment. He sent his son Jesus that we might have life, abundant life, that we can have salvation by the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternal life. Greater is he who is in the world. Huh? Greater is he than, Israel. God is greater than Satan. Greater is he than who is in the world, our enemy Satan, who wants to take what we have, right? Listen, we are blessed people. I am blessed. I am blessed to know Jesus. I am blessed to know grace. I am blessed to know mercy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 through 17 says, here is a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, one of whom I am the worst. This is the same St. Paul, Apostle Paul, the guy who was chained to a Roman soldier. Jesus came to save sinners, one of whom I am the worst. That's that humility. That's that fear of God. But that for every reason, I was shown mercy So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who believe in him and receive eternal life. Now the kingdom, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. God's going to glorify himself through us to show this world his mercy and his grace, right? Listen, make all, make a list if you have to today of all the good you have in your life. In counseling, I learned this when I took a course on gerontology, and I've said this before, that as you get older, it, it's a challenging time because it seems as though, you know, this, wherever you turn, you, you seem to be losing something. And, and one of the things you have to try and do is what they, when you have a, a, a good, competent counselor, he's working with a Elderly person is to teach them optimization, meaning to, to begin to really focus on what you do have and to give all you have into what you do have and not to be drawn to what you're losing. And when they do this, it makes a significant difference in the lives of those people. Well, I'm thinking, man, I don't got to wait until I'm 80 to do that. I can do that now. <laughs> to optimize, to begin to think this is what I have, not what I think I should have, not what I don't have. This is what I have right now. And it's a gift from God, and I'm going to pour myself, I'm going to with thanksgiving pour myself into this. This is where I'm going to be, right? Now, another thing you could do to live out your life with contentment versus comparison is to make God your source. Make God our source, right? See, our discontentment isn't really about stuff, it's about a void in our life. You hear me say it again. Many of us are born, we're all born with this God-shaped hole in our hearts. And the answer to that hole is Jesus, yes? Jesus. That God created us. Jesus died for us, rescued us, and that we belong to Jesus, huh? I had, when I spoke at this conference, I had to kind of do, do an intro into a, a song that they were going to play at the ending of worship. So they, they wanted me to bring an exhortation, so let's listen to it quickly. So limiting thoughts, right? They bring you pain and suffering rather than celebrating that you were yeah, so Jesus. Cut it, out. cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. It's not the right clip. You got the right clip? They don't ever okay. So here, let me do this now. Okay. So how many of you are a Christian? All right. A Christian is someone who needs a savior. Okay? Yeah. It's a Christian is someone who needs a Savior. Do you have the clip? Yes or no? Yes or no? I can't hear you. No, okay. So a Christian is someone who needs a Savior. Yeah. Someone who's been rescued by Jesus, right? He's got them. They belong to Jesus. You need to know that you belong to Jesus. You need to know that you belong to Jesus. huh? His Spirit lives in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Huh? Now, you came in here this morning, or they came in onto that property, and you got these dark thoughts jetting in and out of your head. They're not nice thoughts, right? Man, we can't even, I I got them. I can't even talk about them. Not good for public display, right? Those thoughts, all that is coming from your enemy, Satan. He's trying to take what you have, This Satan, he's trying to change who you are. He's trying to, now he might mess you up, he might shake you up, but he can't change that you belong to Jesus. And you need to believe that, you need to know that. I belong to Jesus. This truth, it needs to settle into your mind rather than the lies of your enemy. It needs to burst from your very being. I belong to Jesus, huh? I want you to realize that. Not that, hey, not that, you know what? I need to do more of this. I need to do less of this. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. All you need to know is I belong to Jesus. It is Jesus who's my security. Jesus is my strength. It is Jesus who is my salvation, yes? yes? There you go. So now, and of course, I invite them into a time of worshiping, worshiping as warriors, warriors who know that we belong to Jesus, huh? But that's why I want you to know this morning that you belong to Jesus. Jesus is the answer. You've got the answer. You are in a place to make great decisions, courageous decisions, wise decisions. Huh? He is your source. God is your source, To make wise decisions, to give you strength, strength that is beyond your limitations. We have these self-limiting thoughts, okay? When we dance with our enemy, when we live in a distorted perception and perspective, right? When we live in this comparison, when we are living a discontented life, right? We are literally saturated in our minds with self-limiting thoughts, Thoughts that really bring us suffering. It's crazy. We're trying to avoid suffering. And man, we bring it on, baby. And instead of celebrating that we belong to Jesus, we're suffering. But not today, right? Today, together, we celebrate that we belong to Jesus. This is your time. This is our moment this morning to be content in this truth that we belong to Jesus. Huh? It sounds just as good coming from you than it did 1,100 guys. I just want to let you know. All right, so we got to fly through here, huh? Look. So Paul says, okay. Same Paul talks about contentment. Says this in Philippians chapter two, verses 12 through 13. I'm going to fly through this. Go to a closing. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and act according to his, to fulfill his good purpose in your life. Listen, those who are baptized today, all of us, I want you to hear this verse out. In the original language, the the words that Paul used to work out your salvation, those words, he was trying to depict somebody in like a gold mine, if you will, a diamond mine, and they're kind of digging out to get as much as they can out of that mine. What Paul is saying is here, hey, go deep in your relationship with God. Know God. Dig, dig, dig. Go deep. Get all of it out of it that you can because it's a great resource. Don't just live on the surface. It's going to suck. It does. I'm, I'm telling you, I, it's what I walked away from. Came to faith at 17, trying to, you know, balance this thing out, a little of this, a little of that. Some for God, some for me. It just was tiring. It was weary. you just, No. No, dig deep, man. Follow Jesus. Trust in Jesus. He is a great resource for you. And the the more you dig deep, the more you're going to gain, the more you trust. Digging deep means courage, trust, surrendering to him. C.S. Lewis, I think he said, faith is like peeling an onion backwards. You know, the more you go along, the bigger the layers get. The deeper you go the greater the breadth and the width of God you experience. Do you hear me now? Now, last, I want to encourage you this. <coughs> last thing we want to do now to build contentment is to live your life on a mission. Live your life on a mission, a mission for Jesus to build the kingdom of God. It's not about, it's, coming to faith isn't about Stopping from being bad and not doing this and not doing that, we can't. We don't want, we, It's about who we're going to be as we live our lives with Jesus, right? That same Paul in Philippians chapter three, verse twelve through thirteen says this: "Now that I have already not 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 that I have already obtained all of this, or have have already arrived at my goal, I, I'm just not there yet. But I press on to take a hold of that which Christ Jesus took a hold for me. I'm digging deeper, man." Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it. There's more to come. The best is yet to come. Yeah. But one thing I do this is the verse that I would hold on to when I first came to Christ at 28 years old. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. Listen, come on, yeah. and that's what I did I began to set out to live a life worthy of Jesus and I along, I didn't articulate it this way but here's what I did I lived a life where the power of God was required those who are baptized today don't live a life where the power of God is not required don't give in a way that you don't that you don't need the power of God to see you through it don't tell the truth in a way where you don't need to see the power of God to take you to the next level Don't come to the challenges of life in a way where, you know, you don't need to see the power of God show up. You got it. See, many Christians live out their life in that way. They live out their life on the surface with Christianity, kind of a B12 shot here and there. It's consoling. It can be a little comforting. And the way they do it is they got it. They do it in a way it's measurable, containable, manageable, and really the power of God is simply not required. Jesus is not required to show up and demonstrate his power, his right. It's just not. No, step out of that, huh? And that's not, you're not going to find contentment there. You're not. That's the path paved with cobblestones to discontentment, to comparison to others, to distorted perspective, and to the past and a future further anxiety. No, no. Now, you move out of that, and you live out your life in a way that requires the power of God. Go outside yourself, huh? Trust in God in great ways, knowing I belong to Jesus, huh? And he's taken a hold of me for something great and wonderful. He has. I'm going to live a life worthy of his death. I'm going to step out of this mediocrity, huh? And I'm going to live a life... Well, I need the power of God to show up. I'm going to tell the truth that I need. I'm going to live out in my marriage and serve the person I love and love them in a way that I need Jesus to show up. You hear me, right? Yeah, my wife knows that. <laughs> That's why she's so close to Jesus. There's a little bit of truth in that. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> you know, every, when we get up there, we're gonna have well done, my good and faithful service. Chris is gonna be getting like high fives, like man, I can't believe you did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, hey, why don't you stand with me? We're gonna finish this out. Look, let's take this journey together. What a moment to be here today. Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to, I want you to conquer your summer. I want you to draw close to God, not less. I want you to be involved in the things of church and the community of Christ followers more than less. I want you to give more than less. I want you to serve more than less. That's what we do. We go the other way at times. In your family, I want you to to serve and care for one another more than less. As As you're sitting there on the beach, I don't want you to be thinking about what you don't have, but what you do have, right? I want you to be able to take in the goodness of all that's around you, man, you know? And I want you to be making decisions before and after that that kind of will support that, huh? Today's your day. Let's move forward on this great journey of faith together, huh? You see, when you have purpose, and you hear me talking about stepping out, what I'm trying to tell you is my story. When you have purpose, you don't have time for comparison, man. You just don't. Uh, one thing I'll tell you, I, I, one thing I don't really do a lot of is compare myself to others. I don't, and that's something my wife will tell you. I don't. I really don't compare myself to others, and, and when I do, I pick it up. I'll notice it quickly. It'll last like, you know, several minutes. I think I might have talked about it last week, you know, where I'll be like, and even now, not so much a comparison. It's more like, yeah, a little bit, I guess. But for the most part, I, I, I don't. I don't live out comparing myself to others because I'm really too much immersed in purpose, Living out a life of purpose. Be on mission. Live a life on mission, and you will know contentment because you're living out a life in purpose. When James and I are in the tank and we're in the, in the room, we're just thanking God that we can even be here, you know? We're thanking God that we can even be a part of this. I don't want you all to know, when we're in the huddle, we have almost 50 people in the room today. We do that. We gather together, all of us We have a breakfast, we hang out, we talk, we chat, and we say, hey, we're going out there to serve people today. We're going out there to glorify God today. Here is what we're doing today. Look at the people in this room who are being baptized. Look at lives being changed. Look what's going on. You know? That's purpose. It's hard to turn around and be discontent when you're living on purpose, right? When you're living from a purpose. So get on mission. Make sure if you're living out your faith that you're digging deeper, you're serving, you're giving, you're trusting God, and you're doing it in a way that Jesus is required to show up. You know what I'm saying? Live out this life of faith the way it was intended, to transform you and to see God glorified in your life. Know this. Say to yourself David, just within yourself, know this truth. Contentment fills me with life and fortifies me from circumstances. See, when you're content, You're not living out life as a person of circumstances. I want you to get this. this It's important for you. You don't realize how much you've been living out life from circumstance to circumstance, from circumstance to circumstance. The Bible talks about it like being tossed to and fro like a wave in the sea. No, no. I'm content today, right? I am fortified. I am strong in Jesus, huh? This is the path to the abundant life God has for you. This is for all of us here today. To God be the glory. Have a great day.